Anyone make any New Year's resolutions? Anyone break them already? <laughs> Last year was tough, huh? It was an unprecedented time in our lives. It brought out the best and the worst of us. People would physically shove people out of the way to get the last can of tomatoes. And yet others would go out of their way to go shopping and delivering things to people. The ones that were more vulnerable to the virus. Other people went out of their way to care for them. And it was amazing to see that dichotomy in culture, how either you suddenly are all about yourself or you're watching out for your neighbors even more. Isn't it unbelievable that in 2020, a number that had previously indicated clarity of vision was anything but that? 2020 was an ordeal that unfortunately continues into this year and for only God knows how much longer. Who would have thought just so many months ago that this would be a staple of our wardrobe? Whether it be the plain surgical mask or whether you make a statement when you go somewhere wearing it without actually having to even say any words. This morning, we're going to be examining two different psalms, Psalm 40 and Psalm 23. Pastor Ryan had said that failure to know God's word and to live it out is one of the most dangerous things for the church. So today, I would like to talk about two different psalms, some of their background, and to dive deeper into his word. But first, I would like to pray, and then I'll take a a few minutes to remind us of facts about the Psalms. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to gather. Something as simple as coming together to worship you that we may have taken for granted in the past now has a, a deeper richness to it. To be able to just come together and and through songs of worship and praise and through just lifting up our community together and encouraging each other and challenging each other to walk in the walk that you have set before us. We thank you for all the blessings that you've poured on us, all the love that you've poured on us, even in the midst of all of these trials. And we thank you for relentlessly pursuing us to always being there, always being with us, even in the the darkest times. We thank and we ask all of this in the precious name of Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen. So there's a lot of specific attributes about the Psalms, and today we're going to limit our review to only a few of them this morning. First of all, Psalms is the biggest book in the Bible. It's 150 chapters. 
It's actually an anthology. It's a collection of hymns and praises all together. But it's actually even more than that. It's an anthology of anthologies. It's a collection of collections. Psalms is broken down into five separate books. Each book, some scholars would say, are a different hymnal. What I would liken it to would be that some churches prefer different songs. So each one of those books contain mostly different songs, but you'll see that there's some psalms that are repeated later in different books. Psalms are praise songs. The primary use of the book of Psalms was for corporate worship. Psalms have been called the hymnal of the Old Testament. The genre of Psalms is lyrical poetry. The Psalms were composed over many years by several people, the most famous of whom was David. And his musicianship has been well documented. The the Psalms were written in response to the composer's experience of God's presence or absence during a specific historical event in their lives. Whether they are feeling God at work in their life or they are feeling an absence, a separation. As we know, and you've been studying this for quite some time, God is always with us. But during the times of despair, sometimes you don't feel it quite as strongly as others. We will be reading two psalms from the first book within the psalms attributed to David. You'll see that the titles to them sometimes say a psalm of David or for the director of music. And what is that? There's many different composers that are putting these together. And when you say for the director of music, they're saying that David had composed it to give to the worship director at that time. Please turn your Bibles to Psalm 40 and read along with me. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set me on my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, Lord my God, are the wonders that you have done, the things that you have planned for us. None can compare with you. Were I to speak and tell of your deeds, they would be too many to declare. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but my ears you have opened. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you do not require. Then I said, here I am, I have come. It is written about me in the scroll. I desire to do your will, my God. Your law is within my heart. I proclaim your saving acts in the great assembly. Do not seal my lips, Lord, as you know. I do not hide your righteousness in my heart. I speak of your faithfulness and your saving help. 
I do not conceal your love and your faithfulness from the great assembly. Do not withhold your mercy from me, Lord. May your love and faithfulness always protect me. For troubles without number surround me. My sins have overtaken me and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs on my head. And my heart fails within me. Be pleased to save me, Lord. Come quickly, Lord, to help me. May all who want to take my life be put to shame and confusion. May all who desire my ruin be turned back in disgrace. May those who say to me, aha, aha, be appalled at their own shame. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who long for your saving help always say, the Lord is great. But as for me, I am poor and needy. May the Lord think of me. You are my help and my deliverer. You are my God. Do not delay. Praise be to the Lord. The psalm opens with the psalmist waiting to be delivered out of a pit of desolation. How many people have been in that same pit or one like it or know people that have been in that pit over the last year? It has been a trying time for many. How many of us have loved ones that are isolated in despair? Where the only ministry that we can give to them is through a glass. We're on other sides of a wall. I know of a family that haven't really gone out in the last 10 months. They celebrated Thanksgiving the way in a way that is different from any other time in their lives. They were inside their house by themselves preparing a meal and all of their loved ones were passing by to stop and wave to them through the window. They were not able to gather together because of the fear that they were vulnerable to this coronavirus and what it may do to them. And still to this day, they have not been able to come into fellowship with other family members because of that fear. Trials that so many of us experience have been exacerbated in this. Whether it be the loss of job, whether it be the loss of loved ones, maybe someone that you've known that has got the coronavirus and has passed away, others that are still struggling under the weight of it, When I first came up, Dean had said that he, he said, God must have been working on me beforehand, but it was a defining moment that really changed my life. And as I read through the psalm anew, <laughs> the words, I do not hide your righteousness. I speak of your faithfulness and your saving help. Suddenly convicted me. I had spent the, the vast majority of my adult life not sharing overtly, not going out and letting others know the word of God, the, the amazing love. 
And I was blessed to be tapped on the shoulder, then knocked to the ground, then helped back up to be able to be different, to go out there and let others see my faith. We are called to be the light of the world. I mentioned it before, but it's the one title that Jesus gives to himself that he also shares with us. That's pretty amazing when you think of it. That we are to be the light of the world as Jesus, when on earth, in human form, is to be the light of the world. Isolation has become widespread in a pandemic in and of itself. We are blessed in the midst of COVID pandemic because in our faith we wait upon the Lord knowing that he can lift us out of this and set us up on firmer ground. Through our faith in Christ, we know that he is with us. We are not alone and never will be. Throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, there is the theme, the promise, that our Lord and Savior will always be with us. But what about the individuals and families that don't know that promise? What about those that have not accepted the gifts freely given to them by our Lord and Savior? Today, there are so many people crying out for help. There's more fertile ground for the gospel than has been in quite a long time. People in the pit of despair, and they may not know that the Lord is with them, and we are privileged to be able to demonstrate that through word and deed to them, to invite them into it. Come and see. Come as you are, but come and see. At the end of last service, one member of the congregation came up to me and says, I want to tell you a great story. It's so humbling. I was like, well, please do. And what was shared was they had, they had adopted a family through your love in the name of Christ ministry. And they were providing for them for Christmas. And they were lifting them up. And, and demonstrating the gospel to them and sharing to whatever level that the recipients felt free to be able to do so. And so they invited him to church. And the person, the, the family that they'd adopted came and their preteens came with them. And the mother afterwards, she was embarrassed and she came up to the, the member and said, This is the first time that I've ever brought my kids to church. This is the first time that we have worshipped God together. Through that act of kindness, for them living out their faith, and sometimes it may feel like a large thing, sometimes not, but by actively living out their faith and showing that in word and deed, they were able to invite this family in who took them up on that. What an amazing thing for them to finally hear that God is there for them. What about the mother who was living in the car 
with her small children. Caring Christians entered into that life and lifted them up and helped them secure a place and then delivered furniture and walked alongside of them as they rebuilt their lives, as they moved from barely surviving to thriving. Or the woman with cancer who knew that she would be out of work in order to go through the life-saving procedures to be able to still be there for her kids. And again, caring Christians living out their faith entered into their lives. They actually donated money to be able to bridge over those two months to get her to a point where she could regain her life without worry and walked alongside of them the whole way. They wanted to be with them as God has promised to be with us. We are privileged to be able to share the good news to all those that are crying out. It is truly amazing to experience. Psalm 40 is a thanksgiving psalm and an individual petition. It is a thank you for lifting me out of this pit, but other troubles remain for which I need your help, Lord. Psalm 40 reminds us to remember the times that God has provided help to us previously when we are in the midst of a new overwhelming crisis. God has been there. God will be there. And I can rest in my faith knowing that. There is an upper and a lower story that is in play at any time. What we experience is the lower story, being in the pit, dealing with the crisis, having that isolation, whatever we're struggling with. But if we can abide in our faith and know that God is there with us, while it's still unpleasant and we may not be happy, we can still be filled with the joy that's the Lord. The upper story is what God is doing in it. Going back to the story that was shared to me earlier, the lower story was these families are crying out in despair, that there's all these trials going in their lives and they don't know the Lord. The upper story was that Christians were able to share their faith and they, people receiving that were transformed and will be different from them moving forward. And they may know the next time trial hits, because of God being with it on the last one, they may believe and know that it will be there on the next one. Remembering and thanking God for deliverance can give us confidence that he is with us in that crisis. We're not alone. The psalmist also reminds us that God desires our heartfelt obedience. Please turn to Psalm 23 and read along with me. This is perhaps the the most famous or most quoted of Psalms. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. 
He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths. For his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalm 23 is a song of confidence or trust in the Lord. The psalmists demonstrate trust in the midst of attack. Psalm 23 opens with what is perhaps the most famous and well-known words. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. The metaphor as the, the shepherd, Jesus used that quite frequently, tending to his flock. As the shepherd tends to the need of his flock, so God provides for all of the needs of his people. Verse 4 depicts even in the midst of extreme adversity, God will guide us on a path out of darkness and into light and life. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. In verse 5, the metaphor changes from God as shepherd to one of God as host of a banquet. God, as host, generously treats the psalmist as a guest. There is an image of the guest having traveled difficult paths and having experienced difficult trials and who fought hard battles but has found intimate conversation with the God at the end of life gets closer. The psalmist has become part of God's household. So in this psalm, we see again that God is tending to us, is with us, is showing us the path, has given us commands on how we should conduct ourselves, and is guiding us along those paths. But then it turns to God as the host of a banquet at the end of the days, being able to abide in the relationship with Christ. To be able to know, to be welcomed into that banquet with God as your host. What must we do to find that type of intimacy with God? I mentioned the New Year's resolution and how everyone always jokes that how quickly those will be cast off and broken. But this calls for a more radical transformation, a reflection into how do we conduct ourselves now? How can we conduct ourselves tomorrow in a way that will bring us into that intimate conversation with the Lord now and at the end of our days? with the Lord being the host of the banquet and us being a guest in that.
In the Old Testament world, sharing a meal with someone created a bond of mutual loyalty. It could signify the culmination of a covenant. Eating a meal with God is more than simply being an acquaintance, but living with God. It is the end of a pilgrimage or journey that ends with God. How can each of us go beyond the New Year's resolution that is easily broken to an ever-deepening relationship with Christ? How can we live out our faith in ways that will be known, that we will be known as Christians by our love? We know that Christ is with us. Our Lord had repeatedly said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. In these days, it's never more important a time to to help answer the cry for help from our neighbors in need. The crisis creates a mission field. There's a gospel opportunity in every crisis. Now, I'm not suggesting that acts earn you anything. What I'm suggesting is as your faith deepens and your relationship grows with Jesus Christ, that acts become the fruit that naturally flow from that, that you conduct yourself differently. Your words are different. I went from being someone who keeps my faith to myself to not even realizing that I was kind of hiding hiding it, to be very outspoken and courageous in faith, as we're called to be. I always joke that I must be a slow learner because God gives me very heavy-handed lessons. But I'm glad for it. Trials can help to shape and refine us. We can be better for having gone through them. Our deepening reliance on God, our worship of God, doing God's work, God's way, for God's glory, can change us and transform us as much as it can change and transform those that we are serving. I humbly suggest to you today that you consider the banquet with God as the host and what needs to be changed in your walk so that you are the guest at the amazing table and that you're welcomed as God's family. That you have refrigerator Privileges in God's house. Christ repeatedly says, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Let's carry that message always and share it with others during this time of trial and any other trial that may come upon us. I'd like to go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Lord, we, we thank you for the, the gift of the, 
the love that you just pour onto us. We ask that you continue to light the, the next steps to shepherd us in our walk, to deepen our relationships with you. We are privileged to be able to share that love and light and hope with others to help them leave the pits of despair, to climb down and to climb out with them. We thank you and we ask for your continued guidance in the precious name of Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen.